0: What a piece of music, and it can only mean one thing. That's right, it's that time of the week again for another episode of Burying Fake News. First and foremost, top of the show, huge, huge, huge thank you to all the fine folk, you know who you are, who downloaded and got involved with last week's show, The Legion of Lewis, Maria's Militia, The Battalion of Burying Fake News. All six of you are welcome to Over My House for Dinner. We're available all over the internet, tell your friends, try The Waitress, Tip the Veal. But... So, those of you who are new to the show, my name's Lewis. I'm the soon-to-be Dr. G. This is bone Fake News. This is the show for the every man, the every woman, the every person out there to have access to scientific knowledge so they can just beat, berate, break down and destroy their shitty social media posts that ruin your time online. And as ever... To join me in this crusade, it's my Mrs., my carer, the boss, Lerfer, the queen of burying fake news. She doesn't choose her favorite tweet of the week in advance and takes so much time. Part time interpreter, full time chief problem wrangler at Mrs. Norris' finishing school for bad eggs is Mariella. Mariella, welcome back to yet another episode of burying fake news.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, you could have said that with some spunk in your woman
1: i want something short and sweet
0: well it was definitely short
1: well i wanted to keep it short and sweet you know to make up for all the time that i spend uh making up my mind about tweeting well
0: do better this week top of the show some very important housekeeping we have no shout outs no new followers if you're listening to this and you're on youtube give us a follow a like a subscribe and and you get your shout out which is really important for your for your own kudos and will make you feel really good
1: well, yeah, given that, you know, you you remember their names.
0: No, I don't remember the names. I wrote them down.
1: Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> but absolutely. If I
0: don't write them down, I forget.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that. So no housekeeping.
0: No, we can just get straight to the meat and potatoes of the show.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Today we're talking about something very interesting, I think very relevant. Let's go.
0: Right this week, meat me and potatoes, sweetie, what are we talking about this week?
1: I believe we're going to talk about the r not number and what it means and, uh, you know, what it actually means in context.
0: What do you know about the R number?
1: Um, not much. It's something I very recently uh, sort of, you know, heard after the whole coronavirus um, outbreak. And as far as I know, it's kind of how we can measure how quickly something spreads. It's like, seems to be like dropping yeah. from epidemiology and these infectious disease experts and it was really cool i've I've never heard of it before and i think it's very illustrative of how virulent you know things can be or are not
0: it's not it's not a bad summary so rewind back to may mathematicians and and public health experts really watched and winced with their Kind of screwed up faces as as in the u k we had British Prime Minister Boris Johnson unveiled a series of charts to explain how the government would guide Britain out of corona out of coronavirus lockdown, and the most prominent and colorful dial with a big needle hovering near a single digit one. This dial indicated r a now as you say, totemic figure. in in the COVID-19 pandemic really brought to life through COVID. Johnson said the nation would set a COVID-19 alert level and would be, uh, I believe this is a direct quote, primarily determined by the number of coronavirus cases and by R, the reproduction number. Hmm. To infectious disease experts, to infectious disease experts, Johnson's focus on the reproduction number as a guide, uh, as, as a guide, as a, as a guiding light, for policy, was very myopic. They they worried that placing too much weight on R, which was the average number of people each person with the disease goes on to infect. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they worried about placing too much weight on R, the average number of people each person with the disease goes on to infect. And it's quite interesting, as you said, during this pandemic, R, this concept of R, has just transcended from pages of academic journals into day-to-day conversation by politicians, by newspapers, and by people, me and you, and and podcasts, and framed as a number that will shape everybody's lives. Germany's chancellor, Angela Merkel, explained uh, in a video in April, which was all over the place, that an R above 1 means an outbreak is growing, and below 1, it means that it is shrinking. In many countries, it is publicly reported every week. In June, uh, epidemiologists over at Harvard uh, Chan School of Public Health in Boston, Massachusetts, they announced on their website where they announced a website where anyone can look up the value for any country, and I'll just get that link for you now because it's quite a cool website.
1: Cool. That's great. I love links and you know resources and everything like that with information I can look up myself.
0: Where's that link gone? So if you go, oh, it's brilliant. So if you go to metrics.covid19-analysis.org, that's metrics.covid19-analysis.org. I'll put the link in the description, I promise. You can go to anywhere in the world and get the R number to date. So as we're recording on the 28th of of August, Germany's is between 1.01 and 1.06. The UK between 1.08 and 1.13, not quite as good. In Mexico, baby, you're at naught point nine three, but naught point nine five. However, we will get into that why that's perhaps not as good as it seems. And America's between naught nine and naught nine which doesn't quite make no, sense no, no. unless they have some incredibly tight air bars. But regardless, I'll put that link in the description. That's a cool website, and anyone can can use that. Awesome, it's free. But this fascination might have turned into, a, or I think it's turned into, a really unhealthy political and media fixation r is an imprecise estimate it rests on many assumptions and if you look at work from uh, jeremy rossman who's a virologist at the university of kent who's a really good uh, academic he says well it doesn't capture the current status of an of an epidemic it can spike up and down when case numbers are low it's an average for a population and therefore it can hide local variations. Too much attention on it, which is kind of what has happened, can obscure the importance of other measures and other trends in numbers of new infections, deaths and hospital admissions and cohort surveys to see how many people in a population currently have the disease or have already had it. And a quote that I, that I lifted from uh, Mark Woolhouse, who's the who's an infectious disease expert at the University of Edinburgh, he, he, he come to say the quote, Epidem- I'll try that again. Epidemiologists are quite keen on downplaying R, but the politicians seem to have embraced it with enthusiasm. And that's, I, I agree with this sentiment completely. And this is a, a man who's a member of the modelling group who advises the British government through this pandemic on how to respond. And he also went on to say that, quote, we're concerned that we've created a, a monster. R does not tell us what we need to know to manage this. Many policymakers understand this. No one else has linked R so tightly and explicitly to public policy as as Boris did. Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister. lad. And Rossman goes on to say that despite the coloured dial chart, it's not clear how much R is actually driving UK policy, coronavirus policy. And in the weeks after Johnson's announcements, the government didn't reference R again. When it took measures to ease restrictions or lower the national level alert so researchers remain concerned that r is looming too large is being used for purposes which it was never invented for and it's not clear what actions they are or are not taking because of the r number and they are concerned and myself too as a fellow scientist that they're giving it just too much prominence
1: that's really interesting, um. You know, as because we hear it in our daily sort of, I guess, uh, communication now, we kind of start seeing getting some insight into how mathematical models are just that—they're models, right? And while some data that is general can be very helpful to give us an idea of averages of what we can sort of expect in a very large picture, um it can also be flawed in the fact that it can be too generalised and not specific enough to drive things like policy. And um, and I, I think that with what you were saying is that some governments can have sort of tried to, you know, have their policies driven by scientific models. But when we kind of limit, you know, into one thing, like an R-naught number or you know, a specific model, we kind of realize that it's actually, you know, scientists have a really, like, very big job. It's a very reductionist view of the bigger picture.
0: Yeah, it's not fit for purpose. So I'll talk about the origins of R. Yeah. First, it was used about a century ago in, in, in demography or demography. R originally measured the reproduction of people to deduce whether a population was growing or not growing in... Epidemiology, the same principles apply, it measures the spread of infection within a population. So if R is 2, two infected people will on average infect four others, who will infect eight others, and so on and so on. The measure allows modelers to work out the possible extent of the spread, but not the speed at which the infection grows. Unless they are regularly testing an entire country's population, epidemiologists can't measure R directly, so it's usually estimated retrospectively. Disease modelers look at current and previous numbers of cases and deaths, make some assumptions to find infection numbers that could have explained the trend, and then derive R from these assumptions. Yeah. One variant of R which is R0, assumes that everybody in a population is susceptible to infection. And this usually isn't even true, but it might be when a new virus such as SARS-CoV-2 emerges. So at the start of the pandemic, assessing R0 and other metrics was quite crucial for epidemiologists building models of how the disease may spread. But when politicians and scientists talk about R, they usually mean another variant, which is also called RT. Or in some literature, it's called RE, effective R, which is calculated over time as an outbreak progresses and considers how some people might have gained immunity, um, perhaps because they've survived an infection, become vaccinated or just genetically fortunate. So RT and R0 both vary with the social dynamics of of a given population, which is going to vary from sometimes region to region. Even an easily transmitted virus will have trouble spreading in a region where people rarely meet, like the highlands. in January, the COVID-19R naught in in Wuhan in China was calculated where are my notes was calculated to be between two and three. After lockdown, estimates put RT uh, in Wuhan just over one. So there is a like a lagging phase. So to work working out RT involves trade-offs and compromise. Confirmed cases and mortality figures can be used to infer the total numbers of cases and infections, but both come with this lag phase, this significant lag which scientists estimate could be anything from a week to 3 weeks or more. If you have your RT estimate lagging by 10 days, possibly 2 weeks, then it's not going to be that useful as a real-time decision-making tool.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think like that's kind of the key. And what I hope that people understand about um, or take away most from this whole pandemic situation, it's a lot of the information that we have on diseases and like my growing estimation and appreciation for epidemiology, a lot of the research is done in retrospect. It's so hard to manage something that is ongoing and I even remember, you know, when the virus first came out, everybody in the world was kind of stopping and seeing what it was doing in China. Like, you know, how often do people die? How often are they dying? Are there any specific uh, conditions that are attributed to people dying more than others? And so we were all kind of holding our breath just to see what it was like exactly. And even now, you know, we don't have very clear idea of what it's doing because I, I'm guessing it's um, because of asymptomatic carriers, especially, and maybe it might be something we might work on it in retrospect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's the, the problem comes entirely down to different regional practices and this lag phase, this idea that you're looking at retrospective data. There is a, a mathematical trick if you like, that you can use. It's called nowcasting, and it's, um, they use it in in, uh, economics to to see what the uh, stock market might be doing. They also use it in um, meteorology as well. And they can use the observed statistical distribution of of reporting delays to predict how much higher the number of fresh infections will be in, for example, two weeks time. Some estimates of RT Already rely on this now casting infection data in this way. Again, going back to quotes because you know I love to dig out quotes. Quote the meth mm-hmm. the important primary source the the method with the least guesses, and that comes from uh, Lars Schad, who's vice president of the Robert Koch Institute in Berlin, Germany. I'll let that joke settle there. And that was uh, Germany's main public health agency, which reports their daily um, R-value or R e value as well as their seven-day RT-value based on infections reported by state health authorities, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now casting infections on, on the basis of trends in the past is quite tricky, but mortality data comes with an even longer lag because of the extra time someone has the disease before they succumb to it and because of the paperwork involved in registering deaths as, as, as with anywhere, which can take extra weeks or months to, to file. So a group led by Sheila Bird over at Cambridge University um, published uh, now cast data of COVID-19 deaths in English hospitals, but they can't yet do the same with a separate set of deaths compiled by the ONS, which is the British Office of National Statistics, because the British of national the Office of National Statistics Sweetie, really well, why can't I say this word right? Compiled by the Office of National. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try again. Try
1: again, try again. You've got this. You get closer.
0: Right. A very clever edit because I can say the word statistics, people. Here we go. Compiled by the Office of National Statistics because the researchers don't have access to the necessary data on registration delays. And the time difference between when a death occurred and when the ONS reported it. And then there comes with extra uncertainty because an issue with the now nowcasting um, approach or application or mathematical trick is that it swaps one problem for another, essentially. And uh, this this is kind of idea is also agreed by Sebastian Funk, who's a disease modeler out of uh, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And he's also advising the government. He's part of the SAGE group who's advising the government on the pandemic now. And they're saying that you can try to do that. But for obvious reasons, it always comes with uncertainty. There's no way that you can know how many cases would still be observed that haven't already been infected.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Other data on the pandemic's progress can feed into estimates of RT by serving as proxies for infections and social behavior. One is hospital intensive care admissions. Another is results from random tests in other populations. See how many people currently have COVID-19 or have had it. Researchers also conduct contact surveys, which ask people who they mix with and can be used to infer changes on R on the basis of estimates of how many others an infected person could potentially meet. Although these are also time consuming and could cover relatively small groups or pockets of people. Contact surveys over in China show daily contacts were reduced by seven to eight fold during COVID nineteen social distancing period when most interactions were restricted to the household. And I do have a as a I, I do have a citation for that hmm. that fa- fact as well. A- another way to observe oh, trends in people's movements is to use location data based on the signals from mobiles phones, which has been published by Facebook and Google, and and funk who who was the tropical medicine man also goes on to say well there's a bit of a trade-off here there are some methods that are more immediate but not epidemiological and there are others that are directly epidemiological but at the same time more out of date so there are groups of epidemiologists that have their own approach to combining and using uh, disparate sources of, of data to work out rt relying on their own statistical models to look at trends in presumed infections to calculate the official RT of the UK, about 10 groups present the results of their models to a dedicated government committee, which reaches a consensus on a possible range given reasonable error bars. The figures are presented in that range, so what, what was it we said earlier? 0, 0, nine to 1.1 1. 1 maybe, something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: Showing how uncertain the estimates are, but individuals, individual models are not released. So these, quote, official, because there's nothing official about this um, average, uh, official uh, RT numbers are not the only versions available. Academic researchers have taken advantage of infection and mortality figures collated by the World Health Organization and independent groups, such as uh, the Coronavirus Research Center at Baltimore, Maryland, John Hopkins, there you go, John Ho- John's, Ho- Johns Hopkins, in Baltimore and Maryland to publish their RT figures for numerous countries and states. In late April, for example, the public health researchers in Colombia claimed that RT for the first 10 days of the pandemic was above two in seven Latin American countries. I do have a citation for that as well. The Harvard researchers website estimates that R is above one in more than 30 US states. So, even non experts can use plug and play formulas to create their own variants of R, which can lead to further problems.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they kind of use averages of averages of averages yeah. in some cases, and it's, you know, I'm making policies on this.
0: With assumptions. So, in May, um, local newspapers across England ran stories claiming to reveal regional RT values for specific towns and cities, so the Swindon advertiser claimed the town's Rt was perhaps 0.35, one of the lowest in the UK, but officials at Brighton and Hove City Council, which was labelled the fourth highest Rt at 1.7, issued a statement calling the figures misleading and potentially dangerous, quote, it is not possible to calculate meaningful R values at a very local level. And that was by Alistair Hill, Hmm. who's the public health official on the the council over there. The figures were not, as it turned out, RT values at all. They all came from an index created by the founders of London based analytics group startup called uh, DeckZero.com. That index is termed RZ. Oh, wow. That was intended to show how fast local epidemics were growing on the basis of case data from local authorities. It's not an established variable in epidemiology.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So on the 7th of June, the founders withdrew their page completely from public access and said it had been, quote, interpreted out of context and scope of its original intention. Fucking talad me.
1: Yeah, and this is why we've got to be very careful with this sort of data. You know, again, we as a public generally, we get very limited views on what it means and you know, there's reasons why people do entire PhDs and entire careers on this. It's not, it's not just a number, right?
0: Absolutely. It's, it's an average, and, and, and it does have drawbacks. So an important aspect of RT is that it, it represents only an average across a region. This average can miss regional clusters of infection. Conversely, high indices of infection among a sparsely distant, a smaller subsection of a population can sway larger regions' RT value. And this was what was seen in Germany, um, very recently. Their national RT value jumped from about one or just over one to nearly three, two point eight, in late June. Wow! Well, they, I think they did—they'd revise that to two point one seven. But that was entirely because of an outbreak in one meat processing plant in Guttersloh. I know. Uh, I know I butchered that one. Guttersloh <laughs> in North Rhine-Westphalia. And Franzi's very annoyed with me somewhere. Not that she listens. She's got better things to do with (laughs) her time. I'll send her a quick demo.
1: I hope she messages
0: you. Hello again, friends. I interrupt this podcast for a short post-production edit for a quick word from our German correspondent, Franzi. I told you she wasn't going to be impressed. Hi. Your pronunciation is really shitty. So it's called Guthas Law. Okay. Again, Gütersloh. Law. Well, I didn't think she was going to be happy, but thank you for that quick word, Franzi. We appreciate it over here, as do the fine folk who listen to this program. All six of them. But going back to the Robert Koch Institute, the, the Robert Koch Institute noted that national infections overall <laughs> were still low which is why the local outbreak had such an effect on the country's RT, which had dropped below one again by, you know, a couple of weeks later, by the end of June. This makes it unlikely that RT would be used to steer local lockdown policy in Germany. And that, again, is coming from the work from Shard at uh, Robert Koch Institute. I can, I'm going to see how many times I can say Koch. If... <laughs> We've got to get some cheap laughs in for the audience if the rolling mean of r that is the average was divided by the number of times you take it was at 1.2 for a few weeks then it would show there was a problem that needed attention even if case numbers were low but in practice research researchers find out about local outbreaks before that because of a reported spike in cases not because of changes to rt Germany is ongoing surveillance and public reporting of transmission levels in about 400 of its counties. And that, again, all that, all that information comes from Robert Koch Institute as, and John, John Hopkins as well, I might add. More words I've got here. So most experts say that for the RT, the United Kingdom is kept quote, artificially high by very large numbers of infections and deaths in care homes for older people and does not reliably represent the risk to the general population. And first of all, if you're someone who's lost a loved one to a fucking care home, I think you'd want them to be considered as part of the the numbers, really. But I digress. Regional RT numbers have been uh, touted as a a a way to guide the further easing of restrictions, again, talking about the UK, because they could allow a place that showed resurgences in cases to be sealed off. But regional RT numbers become less accurate as they are applied to smaller populations, especially when absolute infections are low. So going back to the Harvard site, which produces the numbers for the US counties, which can range from thousands to millions of inhabitants, depending on what you're talking about, um, they're... Hyperlocal data comes with huge uncertainties. And that's not just me saying that. That's one of the creators, Zhihong Lin, who, who kind of alluded to this and said, the researchers don't calculate for an RT, for a county, unless there are 10 cases. And Lin goes on to explain that policymakers should not use them in isolation, but only alongside other message, other measures, such as total number of cases and whether that is increasing. When making recommendations, it's Important to look at the whole picture and not just rely on this RT, this average. And she also went on to say that used properly, the data could help public health officials identify hotspots of infection and prioritize resources such as testing. But they're still not accounting for other things which are misses. And that leads me into super spreaders. Another subtly not captured by RT, and that is people who may never infect others, and there are a few who infect everyone they meet, and they're known as super spreaders, and they pass on disease many, many more times than the average person was, perhaps because they mingling crowded indoor events where the virus spreads more easily, maybe they go to church services, choirs, nightclubs, um, they have children. Big families, they live with children, they live in multi-generational households, and they have X large extended family in the street, blah, blah, blah as few as 10 to 20 percent of infected people seem to cause about 80 percent of the new cases and that's again using data from uh, luang's site they use epidemiologists actually describe this using a dispersion parameter called k but it depicts the variation in viral transmission amongst infected hosts but that's is another thing and it's more massive, i don't want to get into So that means that bans on certain crowded indoor activities could have more benefited than blanket restrictions introduced whenever the RT value hits one. When countries consider when to reopen schools and offices, as we are doing over here, the key question is not only RT, but what the actual number of infected people walking around is. So Denmark and the UK have similar RT values, for instance. But because the number of infected people walking around Denmark is approximately ten times lower, based on their data, it's safer for their schools to be reopened. And another Woolhouse quote here from, uh, from from Cambridge: When infection numbers are low, maybe you don't care so much about the reproduction number or what the reproduction number is, or at least don't care if there's some uncertainty in it.
1: Hmm. That's very but
0: interesting. This will be whether the country overreacts if case numbers are low but modellers estimate that the R is above 1.
1: Hmm.
0: So all that demotes the usefulness of R is in terms of deciding policy, it it, it does. It, it, can, it doesn't disqualify it entirely but it demotes its helpfulness, its usefulness and certainly in the United Kingdom I think the general consensus is that it's far more important to watch clusters of cases and separate comprehensive systems in place to test and trace contacts and isolate those infected than just to watch this needle swinging back and forth on an our <laughs> fucking colorful dial of an average, which is not representative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there is so much information. I'm still trying to process all of it, but you know, while I can't comment on specific bits, I think like in general, what we're seeing is, we have a very useful tool and mathematical modeling is so useful and it's probably, you know, more accurate than we think it is. But when it's used in isolation or we only pick and choose what bits we we actually implement, it can lack a lot of perspective and it can lack a lot of um, information that's vital for making decisions to once more seeing kind of like this Absolutely. break between academics and people who know and policymakers and action takers, you know. Um, And I think like, uh, you know, you've talked about the UK, I think a big issue with Mexico was, and this is a bit of a rant, complaining about how it's been handled, is that we've had good epidemiologists and um, scientists talk to us about our case. But what always would bother me about um, what they would say is that early on in the outbreak they said, this is what the model looks like. The peak will be, you know, a month from now. And obviously, as time went on, they would move that peak, um, you know, to the next month and two more weeks and the next month. And I was thinking this whole time, you know, mathematical modeling also can take into account behaviors, but only to a certain extent. You know, it's assuming that things stay constant. It's assuming that everybody behaves on Mother's Day, where everybody just went out and, you know, saw their mothers. And of course, we saw a spiking cases two weeks later. Um, And this is where we have to be careful about exposing, you know, these very specific um, bits of knowledge to the general public because a lot of time, you know, in the attempt to reduce them and make them simple to understand, we end up just reducing what it actually means and all the assumptions like you were saying that we make along with them. So, like you said, you know, it's not just a little dial that goes up and down that we have to be looking for. Um, And we probably need to be looking at more things and different aspects of the pandemic to be evaluating what we should be doing next as a society and as a government.
0: I I agree. And and speaking about what we should be doing next, I think we should uh, move on to our next part. But before I do, I did say I had a few citations. So I used three sources and I just want to let the people know where I got a lot of information from for this episode so they too can share it. Most people wouldn't give a flying fog, but there might be some hardcore listeners out there. So the first one I got was from the Lancet. And this was from Kacharsky, et al, uh, Lancet, volume 2553 uh, to 558 of 2020. And it is the early dynamics, early dynamics of transmission and control of COVID-19 colon, a mathematical modeling study. So if you just either search Kachurka et al lancet or you just search early dynamics of transmission and control of covid 19 the mathematical modeling study that in the lancet will give you a the paper there that they used and what they found and they basically they declined in wuhan during late january and it was that kind of data that was set i was pulling on the other citation that i used and this was a science paper another 2020 paper and it was changes in contact patterns shape the dynamics of the COVID-19 outbreak in China. And I also used a paper from the International Journal of Infectious Diseases, and it was effective reproductive number estimation for initial stage of COVID-19 pandemic in Latin American countries. Those were my three citations that I used to draw on this, as well as a bit of Googling here and there, and you know, institutional sites like the Robert Koch Institute john hopkins university that website i'm going to link the metrics.covid19-analysis.org whatever it is link in the description go check it out awesome but with that being said it's time to move on to my favorite i'm going to get it right this week the quick fire not so quick fire but sometimes quick fire round
1: good job i think we had enough with the statistics sir i'm going
0: to say one more time for effect <laughs> quick fire not so quick fire it's another <laughs> quick fire round Oh, math sucks, but it's very important.
1: All right. So, here are the questions for our quickfire, not to quickfire, but sometimes quickfire around. This might be a quick one. It might not be, because I think there's some pretty interesting questions here. All right. Number one. So, how is the R number calculated? What's the formula?
0: Oh, the formula is. I don't know what the formula is. I can tell you how it's done. It's. I don't know what the fucking formula is. The thing is, right, okay, so the formula, as I said, there is more than R. There's r naught. there's RT, there's RE, and there's RZ. Everyone who has their own model has their own way to calculate it.
1: Okay, and there's no, like, several, like, you know, generalized sort of uh, formula that we can plug in, you know, number of cases over number of, I don't know.
0: No, it's an imprecise estimate that rests on assumptions and the assumptions will change depending on who's making the modeling and where they are. You know, someone who's in China who sees how the people of China behave with each other in a city may be different to the people in a Chinese village out somewhere to a UK city to a UK village somewhere.
1: Hmm. All right, now, number two, and I think this would be pretty interesting. What illness has the highest or some of the highest R numbers that we know?
0: Um, I don't know if this is a fair question because the plague had a wonderful transmission rate, but it was at a time when people didn't understand how not to get the plague.
1: <laughs> as far as I know, so far it's measles, and I think there are numbers like fifteen or something like that. It's something very insane. Um, equally, this is why you know we do this sort of research in retrospect and why we definitely vaccinate you know people for it because it is very 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 contagious
0: well thank god we have a vaccine for it
1: yeah yeah so I, that's the only one that i know of that was like astonishingly high there were several others that i know are higher but i'm not too sure what they are
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't know without looking or without googling but i mean if we're going to be talking out loud very quickly the flu pneumonia i would say you know they they can have not maybe a hugely high r rate but you know, freshers flu. Everyone seems to get that at the same kind of time. So, well, one of
1: the questions is actually, you know, the common flu. How? Uh, what's the R? <laughs>
0: what's the R rate of the common flu? Yeah.
1: Well, I've I've got it up now. It's.
0: So I've got it up as well. So the R naught, mm-hmm. which is the value for it, is about one point three.
1: All right. So it's actually not as uh, not as uh, severe as I thought it would be. There's some really interesting ones up here. I don't know if you and I are both looking at the same page. Number one is measles with an r naught number of between 12 and 18. Something that we do vaccinate for. Second of all is chickenpox, pox. Um, something you can also get vaccinated for that mm. is 10 and 12. And then we've got mumps. That's similar, 10 and 12. Polio, uh, rubella, childhood pertussis. Diseases. Yeah, and these are things that, again, um, I think because we don't see it as much we kind of forget how you know common we kind of live with disease in general so yeah.
0: but did you ever have chicken pox as a kid
1: no i was vaccinated
0: <laughs> i wasn't vaccinated but i never got it
1: oh gosh well now you're just frightening me but no i was vaccinated against everything that there was possibly a vaccine for but i know it's a very common practice that you know when somebody gets chicken pox you kind of crowd them together to make sure that you get it as a kid um, because it's so highly infectious, right? So these are really infectious diseases that we are looking at. And the one that surprised me the most was um, Ebola, that actually has an R naught of one point five to one point nine. Low. Yeah, it's relatively low because yeah. of how it's transmitted, right? The most, the most, the ones with the highest R naught are airborne, which is like really problematic because you know somebody can walk into a store and two hours later, the virus is still hanging around. Um, and then we've got respiratory do- droplets mm. could be like a COVID sort of thing. And then we've got like body fluids and stuff. like have direct contact with the, the people. So I thought that was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it's like cholera. I can't imagine that having a high R, right?
1: Yeah. And it's like really specific circumstances too. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of those. What is the lowest possible R number there is? Could it just get to zero
0: well, well yes of course you get to a point where the, the virus doesn't move people move so if people stop moving it'll get to a point where the virus is burned how it that it is no longer viable
1: hmm. but there's no like virus I could imagine with you know an actual transmissibility of like zero unless it's like not a virus does that make any
0: sense well no it wouldn't exist yeah we wouldn't know about it because no one would have it
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. All right.
0: I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll, let, you, I'll let you rethink that that comment.
1: It was, because I, I was thinking, you know, like...
0: I'll let you ponder further. Well, no. What the words have just <laughs> come out of your mouth.
1: For example... <laughs>
0: I've been trying to think about math all day, and now i am met with this. <laughs> oh.
1: Well, no, because I'm thinking, you know, for example, it says your MERS is between 0.3 and 0.8. Like, could it get to a point? Could you get like some sort of disease that was so mortal, for example, that the second you got it, it would kill you and it wouldn't reproduce? But it's still a virus. So, well,
0: no. Think of it the other way. Mersey is is low, but it's also zero because we it doesn't it, we don't have it anymore.
1: Uh, it's you still know, like, endemic in some parts of like the Arab world, I think.
0: Well, think of it the other way around with uh, measles, how high that is, but who has that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't vaccinate your kids, you definitely won't. So, um, all right, around.
0: and we can get on to that another episode.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Still, vaccinate your kids, please. Um, and the last question is: Do we have other ways to calculate transmissibility or reproduction rates in the virus?
0: Yes, but but whichever approach you take to model it you have to sacrifice some aspect of it, whether it's a lag phase or whether it's assumptions of um, personal relations or interpersonal relations. The best thing to do is to use it as well as other data, use it as well as new infection, use it as well as a track and trace system. But as a standalone value to dictate policy, it's just not fit for purpose.
1: All right, so everything in context, basically.
0: Which is the message I was trying to get over earlier? I'm not happy about our country's decisions being guided by a fucking average with a lag phase on it. And the more you go into the maps, you realise how poor it really is as an indicator. But we're not a political show, so you know. Whatever. No,
1: and I think like somebody like we need to realise that again. You know, this is. Um, science being done live, and this is just part of the process. You know, we're still learning so much about everything.
0: And oh god, absolutely! Every time the government changes their mind, and the the, the media come out, it's a U-turn. It's a U-turn. That's science. That's what you do. You can't just keep doing the same thing if it's proven that it's not good.
1: Well, it's not a you know, uh, there are your definitely mind. bad things out there. I will believe, I will believe... <laughs> saying you know you have conditions. I will believe anything control. with
0: evidence. I don't anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. You know, partially independent
0: true. evidence.
1: Partially true. I, I think you know. And
0: the more ridiculous it is, I have to believe, the more firmer that evidence has to be. But if it's there, then it's there.
1: Yeah, and I hope that you know. There's nothing
0: wrong with having a hypothesis and then having to change it because it was wrong. That is science in action.
1: Yes. And the problem that we have here is that it's people's lives you know, um, being affected by it. But a little patience and hopefully a couple of years we have a better idea of what happened and ha- going forward how we can handle things better.
0: Does that sum up our quickfire, not square, so not so fire round?
1: That's the end of it.
0: Good. So if you do have any questions... Covid or not, science related, at no questions too stupid, send them over, bearing fake news at gmail.com, links in the description below, along with that sign from earlier. But now it's time for us to move on to arguably the only reason we keep on doing this show. You all know what time it is, sweetie. Really tell the people what it is.
1: It is time for a tweet of the week, the reason I do this show. All right, let's get into it. Play that funky music, white boy.
0: Oh my god, that music can only mean one thing, it's Tweet of the Week, this is the part of the show where we scour social media for the most stupid, backward, inbred, drool, knuckle-dragging tweets that you can find, and Facebook posts, and other social media areas from people who just don't understand science, don't believe science, the, uh, what do they call themselves? We're, we're the sheeple, is it?
1: The sheeple, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those those people, you know, who they are. They've got hashtag two A and MAGA, and they've all got fucking flags and shit in their pictures and God and blah blah blah. And with that being said, sweetie, you've got me in front of us. Kicks us off to number one.
1: All right, number one says, "Our number complete hogwash. So-called scientists, so-called experts, don't know anything. Me and my cat discussed this last night." he told me he only knows one person for eight months who has had so-called covid and then it was just cough which went away <laughs> i have to like read that once i with something. me and my compelling cat. stuff my cat <laughs> i wonder what his cat yeah, says I, I,
0: I think that's an autocorrect error it has I to be an autocorrect so. error like <laughs> i'm not sure how but yeah me and my pussy just chilling <laughs>
1: My cat. Oh my cat must have some insightful things to say about the situation then.
0: (laughs) Only cats. Number two. I'd believe it if he did a dog. Number two. It's strange how they don't need the R number anymore to lock places down and continue with their rules. Masks and S D, etc. The great pandemic hoax. Oh my
1: gosh. What's S D?
0: Uh, Smackdown? I'd have no idea what
1: this <laughs> I don't know if it's Smackdown, but oh my gosh. Social distancing, that's what it uh, is. me, I
0: have no idea. Ah, yes, yeah, I'm glad that someone's. <laughs> oh, I'm must... uh, yes. Smackdown. That makes more sense. <laughs> my, my brain cells both of them were just vacant there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh gosh.
0: Thinking about cats.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Alright, number three. Bollocks. Scientists are not worth any more, especially ones that make up a sorcery like our number. Deaths are below average. It's five weeks now. Seems like COVID has killed people who would have died anyway in a few weeks' time. Hashtag hoax. Hashtag hoax virus. My gosh. Sorcery, um, like sorcery.
0: <laughs> See, just someone sit there and try to learn calculus one and one, and they're just like, "Nah, this ain't real. This is sorcery." Like, why goes m x plus c? And they're just like, mm, "This is sorcery." Yeah, uh, just because I mean, you can't understand maths doesn't mean it's sorcery, you yeah. fucking idiot. That's uh, the
1: thing, right? Like, I can imagine someone you know finishing your PhD and doing all this research to be like, "Oh, yes, the are number sorcery." Like. Dude, I studied for like 10 plus years for you to call it sorcery. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like I said, if you can't understand, it does not mean it's sorcery, so.
0: I don't disagree. The, the, the maths and the modeling is complex, but it has to be because it's quite a complex, dynamic situation that we're trying to solve for. So, yeah, yeah it would and be again, hard. We would experts for you this. We wouldn't understand it unless it's your field.
1: Yeah! <laughs> sorcery. Oh. Sorcery
0: number four incredible that London's R number is so low. Are they a communist state now? Great news, though.
1: <laughs> I did not expect
0: that. I think this is one from oh all, all of goodness. our friends across the pond.
1: Are they a communist state
0: now? <laughs> okay, let, me, let, me, let me say, let me reread that incredible London's R number so low. Are they a communist state now? Great news, though. I can't work out where the accent was going, but I enjoyed doing it. Oh
1: my gosh. I love it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's the sorcery or communist. We have case. to get a
0: communist-related tweet. If you're new, every week we talk about something uh, science-related. Quite a lot of it has been COVID because of how topical it is and relevant it is to everyone right now. And no matter whether it's 5G, whether it's vaccines, whether it's uh, Bill Gates, whether it's the, the fictitious scientists who come out in support of God and other such nonsense to to f- ferry through it. No matter what it is, there is always a tweet that links it to communism. It's the running gag of the show, really.
1: I know. I, I mean, now at least we've got the sorcery to you know mix it up, but <laughs> it's always communism. The communist state. Oh my gosh! So
0: every t- every week there's a communist tweet. Every time I'm like, I'm not even looking for it, but I'm just you <laughs> yanks. Oh, you tickle me pink.
1: So funny. All right, number five. I just cannot believe this. The same lying media ramping up for a second lockdown based on a fictitious R number.
0: So it's gone from being sorcery to fictitious.
1: (laughs) My question is, like, where did this person get the idea that it's fictitious? Like, you know, do you know how to calculate R numbers?
0: (laughs) To be honest, I do somewhat, not agree with this post, but I agree with the misunderstanding of what's going on because of all, like, what I referred to with the local, you know, the Swindon Express saying that their lockdown data was one thing, and then Brighton saying that their number was something else, and then all of them having to be pulled because they would come from somewhere else completely on the RZ number. There's been so much uncertainty and, and there's been so lack of, such a lack of clarity regarding the, the R number, and its error bars and how it's derived because if you knew you had 10 different models and that's what gives you your average and gives you your error bars that would make a bit more sense but if you just see your r numbers 1.19 but it could be anything between 0.9 to 1.1 you think well how does that work so i don't think it's that these people think it's fictitious i think they don't understand how it changes so frequently and so in such a varied way because they're big changes
1: yeah, and I think this is this has to do with like what we're saying about science communication, you know, we've seen how science really lacks uh, yeah. communication and on the one hand you kinda wanna educate the public on what an R number is and other stuff is and at the same time you don't wanna overburden them with, you know, information that at the same time is super essential for the context and it's a hard one. It's a hard one. At least it's not sorcery though.
0: And 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 that, and it's also the fact that they are tough concepts. They're not easy, yeah, digestible yeah. ideas to always comprehend, I don't think. You know, yeah. I've spent a lot of junk trying to get my head around some of this stuff we've discussed today. But speaking about trying to get my head around stuff, I'm trying to get my head around this fucking number six. Prepare for the next moving of the goalposts. New cases to the R number. Pubs and shops could close if the R number rises after schools open. Countless jobs and livelihoods at the mercy of a fake, made-up number about as accurate as the weather forecast.
1: Oh wow! Well, somebody's angry.
0: Mm. And and again, I, I kind of want to ridicule it because you're an idiot. But equally, we are having policy shaped by an average, which it shouldn't almost entirely by an average. Apparently, well, we don't know if it is or it isn't. But secondly. The idea of it being made up number about as accurate as the weather forecast. The weather forecast is also a a model predictions based on current data.
1: I was going to say the actual weather forecast is not actually such a bad comparison. I don't think it's a fake made up number, but I think the weather forecast is actually a pretty good analogy for what it is, you know, from what I understand. It's educated guesses, averages taken into account and it's not wrong. It's just maybe not right in your region or maybe, you know, a little bit off or maybe, you know, so <laughs> interesting.
0: It, it, it's just been poorly explained to people and, and so much is riding on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Number seven, saws. But this, R number business, what's in, what's in it in the media for? Some imprecise indicator of whether we're fucked again or not? The purpose to set people on edge? Just tell me when I can't go out again, please. I think you
0: um... do. That's my celebratory noise because I got you to I say, know, I, I,
1: I did. I'm like, oh gosh. But I'll do it for the tweet. Do it for the tweet.
0: I thought you were going to beep yourself out. I
1: was going to, but I read it a bit too fast and I was like, no, here. Well, it's out there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm that's a bit too <laughs> And also, Soz. Soz. Soz not S O Z. I don't ever, I don't soz, ever
1: say
0: soz. So. S-O-Z. Soz. Soz. Soz about that. Soz. I didn't even like listen to the tweet. I was too excited about you swearing.
1: Ugh. It's just the same stuff. Imprecise indicator, blah blah blah.
0: Agreed. Number eight. They can't comment on deaths because they're so low. They can't comment on hospitalizations because they're also so low. So they decide to spread fear by talking about this Bollocks our number instead. So low. So how low can you go? Low low Deaths so low. (laughs) (laughs) I made the last bit.
1: Yeah, it it actually ends with instead. (laughs) Yeah, I know, you know somebody who doesn't understand it right and i think it's like this is where people maybe
0: this is yeah it's not ridicule you know it's not like the usual tweets of the week where we have all sorts of nonsense being conjured up this is just comes completely down to people not understanding what the r number is not it not being explained to them in a way that makes sense for them as well as them seeing that the policy is being shaped almost entirely by it and they don't understand how essentially and i think
1: it must be tough to kind of just hear these random numbers and not really know what it means you know like is one low why do we keep it below one what does that mean you know what if it was 15 what would that mean yeah so we lack a lot of context when it comes to like you know what it actually means because even if hospitalizations were low and deaths were low we you know you still want to encourage the public to stay inside or to take precautions and if that's the way they're doing it, then it's not coming across very clearly. All right, number nine. Do you know all about the 60,000 plus they said died from it? The numbers are inflated just like the R number between not. 0.9 and 1.1. 1. 1. So you're telling me we are in the worst situation now to when it first broke out. It's all bollocks. It's overhyped.
0: That's the second time you said bollocks today. I know. Is bollocks a swear word over the. No,
1: it's kind of. I find it kind of charming. But. I don't know. I mean, I think that you kind of rigged these tweets. Means
0: testicles, by the way.
1: Oh, that's not so cute anymore.
0: We do have no such gerrymandering here, thank you very much. (laughs) How dare you accuse me of such impotence.
1: I don't know. It sounds like you were really trying to get me to swear there in some of these tweets, so.
0: No, I think this is I think your accusations of gerrymandering, fiddling and impotence are disgraceful. I think they they are a slap in the face for the integrity of this Lisbon fake news and this very serious show which we pull out to the millions of people every single week without fail. Awesome. How dare you? I'm disgusted. I'm hurt and and sore and I will accept nudes as, as an apology.
1: I'm not going to comment on this any further.
0: I shall be refreshing my Snapchat imminently. But before I do so, let me read you number 10. Number 10 is the palate cleanser tweet, people. Number 10 is just to show there are still leaders of truth out there, and they're still willing to tweet normal things that make sense. And again, we didn't ridicule or blister too many people today. But before we get there, what was your favorite, sweetie?
1: Oh, it has to be number one. I still There's something so funny about me and my cat <laughs> discussed this last night. <laughs> I think chatting it's to so the cat he says no. Nah, and I like that. It's like it even says like he only knows one person for 8 months. <laughs> 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 the cat does a cat know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, that one's still I think hard. I think no my there. favorite
0: is also number 1. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite is number one as well, but just so we don't pick the same thing, I'll, I'll just have a quick scan if I can pick a, another one that I haven't read yet. Doodle uh, doodle sos, Soz, but this our number business. What's in it for the media? Some imprecise indicator where we've fucked again or not. The purpose is to set people on edge. Just tell me when I can go out again, please. <laughs>
1: I thought it would be number it four. It was more for the action
0: than taking the mic. <laughs> I have scroll learned. too fast by number four. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, incredible ones are number so low. Are they a communist state now? <laughs> Great news,
1: though. Oh, I thought that was really funny. they a communist state. So between that one and me and my cat
0: are maybe up there. Maybe, as I say, maybe it was someone who doesn't live in London, but thinks that the rest of it is communism-like. Someone who's Scottish. <laughs> Incredible that London's R number is so low. Are they a communist state now? Great news, though. <laughs> we like, are poor,
1: making so many Scottish assumptions
0: background. now. <laughs> well, sometimes you've got to work with what you got, and We ain't got a lot of uh, morons this week, just ill informed or unsure people who tweet without really knowing. But I digress. Number 10, leaders of truth. Those palate cleanser, palate cleanser tweet. This is actually from Kamala Harris, and it's not, it's not pronounced Kamala. It's pronounced Kamala, by the way. Oh,
1: well, no more you know. Did you
0: know that?
1: I did not know that.
0: So again, this isn't a political show, but I've, I spoke about one set of policy, so I think it's time to say about another set of policy, and obviously President Pigshit has no policy. But this was what came out of um, Kamala Harris' Twitter page the the day. As President, comma, uh, Biden will put his coronavirus plan into effect immediately. Deploy rapid tests with immediate results. Manufacture medical supplies. Manufacture PPE. Implement a nationwide mandate to wear a mask. In his words, not as a burden, but to protect each other. And I was like, this is what we need. We need leadership and we need policy that is going to protect, prevent, and help us move forward. Not... Well, 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 the art number's high, so we won't do anything under a It's low. Well, let's all go out and, uh, and, and sleep with each other's uh, friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I
1: hope or, nobody or actually said that, but... Over
0: there, where it's...
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, you know, it's just...
1: No, and, and I think um, I think Biden also said this, and it really resonated with me. It was, you know, this whole thing, it's not about rights. It's about responsibilities. And I think people, we as citizens in general in the world, forget that our rights also come with responsibilities and every time for example i see someone wearing a mask i think how lovely you know they don't just take care of themselves but they also told me indirectly that they care about me too and you know we should look at again policies that are responsible in every way possible so not a political well, podcast I mean, but... I mean
0: i agree complete I, I agree with you completely but as much as i don't like president pig shit i really don't like um, um sleepy joe either and and it's not it, it's camilla's tweet not his so <laughs> be gone like a like an unwanted smell in the elevator go away we say lift over here <laughs> but that about sums us up for the day that about sums us up the tweet of the week following another somehow episode of bearing fake news i hope you had as much fun listening to us as as we have talking and and producing this i'm going to call it content i don't know about great content but (laughs) content nonetheless if you've got anything you want to reach out to us about blah 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 email links in the description check us out below help us stem the flow of fake news, the incessant flow of fake news. As I typically say, this has been science for non-science people. This has been science for you, the every man, the every woman, the every person. No, this is the show where we give you the ammo needed to blast the mouth-breathing knuckle-dragging, sufferable cretins who shit up your social media and tweet crap. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and the rest of it. We're available all over the internet and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. That's all from me. It's getting tired, and I'm getting late. Got it right first time that time. Sweetie, say good night.
1: Good night, guys.